Not other times. All right, so as you know, today could be a little noisy. Actually, I'll say it this way. Today will be a little noisy because the word together is going to be said a few times. <laughs> All right, good job. Just that's, that's enough. All right, so we are in a series called Commissioned, and we've been looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and now we're going to be looking today at the book of Acts, uh, and, we're gonna be, and we're looking at what Jesus commissioned his followers to do. And so far we've seen in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the four Gospels, we've seen that Jesus is emphasizing to his followers that he wants us, if you're a follower of Jesus, that includes us, he wants us to proclaim the Gospel. He also wants us to make disciples. So those are kind of the two basic things, right? Proclaim the gospel. Make sure we understand what the gospel message is. Proclaim it. And to let people know what the gospel is all about and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've I've commanded is what Jesus said. And so that's that's our our main mission. And and a few weeks ago, we heard from Micah Ward, who Rich was talking about today, that we're deciding to, as a church, to start moving forward with, with a partnership with them. But we heard from him saying we need to embrace what this gospel mission is all about. What Jesus came to, to earth to show us and teach us about love and life, a lot of things of his kingdom. But he wants, then he leaves with us this mission to show people who he is. And so that's what, what our calling is. As, as believers in Jesus Christ, our calling and our mission is to let people know about Jesus and teach them to love Jesus. And, and so we've looked at that over the last few weeks in, in each of these Gospels uh, and different things. And, and we've had a few different emphasis, but then in, a couple weeks ago we, we saw it wasn't just about proclaiming and not just about making disciples, but also about having power from the Holy Spirit and waiting on that power from, until, until uh, the Holy Spirit would come on the disciples. And, and so that was kind of what we looked at a couple weeks ago. And then last week we looked at in, in John how Jesus leads, he commissioned his followers, and that includes us, to be like him, like him in his mission and what he was about, to participate in his mission of teaching people about Jesus and, and the kingdom of God. And also teaching people that we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead and empower. Teaching. And also th- that we can be demonstrating the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not just in the way we talk, but also in the way that we live by a life of forgiving people. Forgiveness shows people the gospel of Jesus. Living a life of forgiveness. And so now we're going to be looking at Acts 1. And Acts 1 is just a, like the next page from the end of John. And we weren't at the end of John last week, but we were at the second to last chapter in John 20. But, so flip the page to Acts 1, and we're going to be looking today at what Jesus was saying in Acts. And now, 
usually in Acts we hear all about what the disciples did. And actually, does anybody know the name of the book of Acts? I mean, we say Acts for short, but what is the full name of Acts? Does anybody know? All right, a lot of people know. The, the, the name is the Acts of the Apostles. So the whole book of Acts is what the apostles, what these, these disciples were doing, they became sent ones. That's what apostle was. So they became sent out to teach people about Jesus and His Gospel. And then making disciples of all nations. And so in Acts, the very first part of Acts, it's still Jesus before He ascended to heaven. Now there's only two places that it, that it describes Jesus ascending to heaven. And both are by Luke. So in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and Luke and the Gospel, or in the, the Acts of the Apostles. So Luke was... Luke wrote both of these, these books. And so some people say Acts is kind of like Luke part two. Because he, he wrote to a man named Theophilus, a friend of God who, is, who was uh, probably in the Roman, uh, he was probably a Roman centurion. And he probably funded a lot of what Luke was doing. And so we see this in the first few verses of Luke, or, or in Acts one. And then we're going to go to Acts four. And he's talking about Jesus and what Jesus said before he ascended. And so this is still part of the, what I'm going to say is the Great Commission because it's all things that Jesus commissioned his followers to do before he left to be in heaven. All right, so this is in Acts 1. I encourage you to follow along in your, your Bibles or follow along on the screen. In Acts 1, verse 4, he is just talking about how Jesus was there for 40 days. And on one occasion, while he was with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, so pause here. The, The... He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And, and today, like Dwayne said, is, is the day we celebrate Pentecost. The day, and we can read all about that in the next chapter in Acts 2. And then even the result of what happened on Pentecost after that. But essentially, it's when the Holy Spirit came down to all believers. And the Holy Spirit is with all believers now. So if you believe in Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus and you surrender all to Jesus then you have this power, this power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was talking about this. This gift is coming from my Father. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and then he goes on in, in, I'm sorry, he said this. And then in verse 6 it says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you going at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So here's what they're asking. They've seen all along these disciples have been waiting ever since they realized Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one that came to redeem Israel. Ever since they realized that, and and Peter said, you are the Christ to Jesus. Ever since they realized that, they started thinking, okay, oh, who gets to sit at the right and left hand? Right, you know, who's going to have power? Okay, Jesus is going to be in charge. Like, we're, we're on the right team. We're excited about all this. But then when Jesus died, they were all scattered and disappointed and like, well, I thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah. All our hope was in Him. And, 
They kind of forgot all the things about how Jesus would rise on the third day and all that. But now, Jesus said, after he'd risen on the third day and they had seen him and they believe and they're excited, now they're like, okay. So now we're going to get the Holy Spirit in addition to you, Jesus. That's great. And so they ask this question, now is it the time? Now is it the time that you're going to sit on the throne and, and kick out the Romans and you're going to be in charge and everything's going to be awesome? Is this now? And Jesus answers. He said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. I, I could almost hear them having this sigh of ah, disappointment. <laughs> come on. Come on. Why, why can't we know? <laughs> well, when, who's going to know? And when are we going like, to? Come on. Like, you know Jesus, so tell us. We're, we're buddies. Come on. Isn't it now? Or is it, is it like tomorrow or like soon? It's happening though. They're getting excited. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time. It's, it's God's will. But it's not His will revealed to you right now. And, and so, this is all about submitting to the will of the Father. And we saw all through the Gospels how Jesus would fully submit to the Father's will. Even though He was fully divine. He was fully the Son of God. Fully human, fully divine. Jesus would still then submit to the Father's will. And so this is what He is calling us to do as His followers is also to submit to the Father's will. And this requires trust. Does it not? He's telling the disciples, it's not for you to know, but he's not just saying it's hopeless. It requires trust. And so, you have to trust that God has a plan, and that his timing is better than our timing, and his will is better than our will, but it requires trust. And so, that's our first point today is that Jesus commissioned his followers. Together, all right, we got to get a little quicker at that, kids. And he commissioned to trust the Father's will. Okay? So trust the Father's will. And so that's what, as followers of, of Jesus, we are. We need to trust the Father's will. Whatever God wants to happen, it's going to happen, first of all. <laughs> we don't have to like, try to like, okay, well, maybe I can make it happen. Maybe I can manipulate God. Or, you know. No, it's going to happen. So we need to just trust His plans, His timing. And so it takes some trust, but Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. Trust my Father. He knows best. His timing is right. And then it says in, in verse 8, he goes on to say, so after he's essentially saying it's not for you to know, but here's kind of trust God. I'm trusting God. You're trusting God the Father. And then he says, but you will receive power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And then he talks about these four places. He says, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you're going to, but wait here. Be in Jerusalem. Wait. Receive this power that's promised to you. Don't try and do it all on your own. I mean, by yourself, that doesn't sound very good. I don't think so. I mean, maybe some of you think that sounds good. But by ourselves, that's not going to sound very good. But he's saying, stay here and wait. And together... All right, good. Got to go a little faster. Timing. Good job, Jaden. That they're going to be receiving the Holy Spirit and, do, and having the will of God and having what God wants them to do, giving this gift of His Spirit. And, and so there's these, and I have a slide of it, but these, these four, there's three circles. And so let's see if we can find it. Okay, here it is. Okay. So in Acts 1-8, there's these three circles, and I know it's like almost impossible to read that, so don't, I mean, you can try if you want, but you probably need, you probably have better glasses than me. So in the middle here is, it says Jerusalem. And so they're, they're supposed to receive power in Jerusalem, but keep in mind, Jerusalem was the place where they just put Jesus on trial and crucified him. It doesn't seem to be a very safe place for the disciples to go be witnesses of Jesus. Does that seem very safe? No. Did Jesus say anything about you're going to have safety as you, as you be witnesses? Did he, say, did he talk about how it's going to be safe? Is it in your Bible? No? Anybody's Bible, does it say you're going to be safe? No? I mean, look in there. It would be nice if it said that. <laughs> If it says that, it's probably a pretty bad translation. <laughs> so, we're not promised safety, but Jesus did say, you're going to receive power. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, this place that's hostile. And then he said, I want you to make sure that you're not just staying in Jerusalem and keeping the gospel only in Jerusalem and telling people only in Jerusalem, but I want you to get out. And, and not just that you get out, I want the message of the gospel to be reached through all of Judea. That'd be kind of like saying all of Illinois or all of this, you know, this greater area. I, I don't want it just to be here. I want it to be, I want it to be moving. I want the gospel to spread, to multiply. And he, and he says it and just kind of throws in and Samaria. Like, Okay, well, sometimes it's just easy, like, oh, and Judea, all Judea, and Samaria. But Samaria, where was, what was that? That was the place where the Jews avoided going to. Because the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other. There's a lot of bad blood in history there. And even if you look at the, the story of Jesus going to the woman at the well, that's in Samaria. And the disciples were like, what are you doing here? We can't be here. And even the woman is like, oh, why are you talking to me? So there's, 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 there's a lot of tension there. That's why the parable of the Good Samaritan is so radical. Because it's like, why would a Samaritan help a Jew? And why would a follower of Jesus go to Samaria? Why would they want to help their enemy? Huh. 
Maybe it's because Jesus said to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But Jesus just says, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Jesus was wanting us to, he wants his followers to multiply our witness. And so the, the way that looks, and even at, we've been looking at this as a out, an outreach team, as Rich is leading us. How are we looking at being witnesses in our Jerusalem, the place we, we live and serve and, and get to know people and you know, this area, the East Bend and surrounding communities. How are we making sure that we are witnesses in our Judea and in our Samaria? You know, the people that are a little further away, the people that are a little different than us. How are we being witnesses for Jesus there? And how are we being witnesses to the ends of the earth? I mean, there's still places, we heard this a month ago when the words were here, there's still places on this globe that have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Isn't that crazy? Like, growing up, we, you know, a lot of us grew up in Christian homes and we know all about Jesus. And sometimes we find other people in town or in the, you know, the next place over and they, haven't, they don't know much about Jesus, but they know the name Jesus. But there's places in the world where people have no idea who Jesus is. And so when Jesus said, be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth, he's saying, let people know everywhere about me. Let them know about my gospel, the good news of salvation for all people, even the people that never heard about me. And so there's different ways we can do this. And that's why we've been doing these surveys recently. Where as, elder, as the elders, we're trying to figure out what is our mission? What is our calling as our church? What are we excited about? What are the, some of the needs that we see in our communities and world? How can we be a blessing? How can we be a witness to our communities and to our, our Samaria and our Judea and, and to the ends of the earth? And that's why I'm excited about partnering with the wards. That's why I'm excited about having opportunities to do different things and get your ideas about things. So today when we have our final survey, <laughs> let's keep, I want to get your ideas. Get your ideas so, so we can evaluate this together and, and really be seeing where is God leading? Where is His Spirit empowering East Bend to go and be witnesses? And if you're not sure, there's different ways. I mean, if you picked up one of these prayer guides, or I encourage you to pick up one of these prayer guides, there's 60 nations in here. And these nations, there's a map in the middle of what the nations are. So I encourage you to pick one of these up and just read through some of them and pray for some of these nations. These are the, the persecuted church. And if you notice, I mean, there's a lot right here where our friends, the wards, are going to be going. Southeast Asia. There's a lot. I mean, look at Asia. Look at Africa. There's a lot. The other side of the world, there's a lot of persecution that's happening. And it's, it's hard for us to kind of think about that because it's not part of our day-to-day -day context. But we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the ways that we can be witnesses is we can be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. We can be praying that the gospel is breaking barriers and that the Holy Spirit empowers His followers to reach people for Christ. So I encourage you to, to pray for the nations. 
I also encourage you, if you're looking for ways to be, to be helping with this mission, you can give. You can give of your time, of your money, your resources. You can give, but ask the Holy Spirit to lead and empower you in this. You know, there's, there's a lot of needs even right here in East Bend. If you would like to work with kids, we have a nursery. I've heard it's hard to get people signed up for that. I've also, you know, we're also thinking about the fall, what's going to happen on Wednesday nights and, and Sunday mornings and things like that. We, we need Sunday school teachers. We need jam teachers. We need people that are going to invest in the lives of the next generation. So pray about that. We need people to step up and do that. And th- those of you that are, thank you for doing that. That is a great ministry. But we need more people to help with that. Talk to Susie Oyer if, if, or Susie Knox if that's something that God's calling you to do. We need more people. And there's different ways that we can support these areas. There's different ways, but I, I encourage each of us, let's be prayerful about our Jerusalem. Let's be prayerful about what Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth look like and how we, as followers of Jesus, together... can be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And our second point today, I guess I forgot to say that, but our second point today was that Jesus, commissioners, or Jesus commissioned his followers, I won't say it this time, to be witnesses with the Spirit's power. Okay? So we are witnesses with the Holy Spirit's power in all of our areas in all of our surrounding areas, and to the ends of the earth. And, that, and that's not just because we're tooting our own horn. <laughs> Hear about Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Come to our church. No. It's because together... You guys are, you guys are slow. <laughs> that we can do this, and I just said that word, according to God's power in his will and his spirit all right and then and then it continues here in verse nine and let's read this so in acts one nine this is the this is the last time that jesus says something and then we're going to see what happens okay in acts one nine it says after he said this he that's jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So Jesus here ascends to heaven. Now the disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So think about this. These, these disciples, they're like, okay, oh wow, there he goes. And remember, and remember, what was the last thing Jesus was doing as he ascended? Blessing. blessing. I heard a few blessings. Okay, good. Uh, the, he was blessing his disciples, because he had just given them all this commission to do all this, and it seems like impossible. Like, how can we go reach the ends of the earth? Just the 11 of us right here. Well, you're going to receive power, and I'm going to bless you to do this. So Jesus is blessing them. He's, he's ascending to heaven, and these disciples are looking up. Well, there he goes. I wish I could do that. You think he's coming right back down? I wonder when he's coming. 
You think he's gone for good? I mean, I wonder what the conversation was here. Wow, I, I can still see him. Can you see him? I, yeah, I think I still see him. I don't know. I don't know the conversation. But then it says, as they were looking up, still looking, there was two men that were dressed in white, and they stood beside them. And these were angels. And these angels said in verse 12, All right, sorry, in verse 11 it says, Man of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? <laughs> like, because we just saw Jesus leave, <laughs> and we're hoping he comes right back. Um, we don't know why he left, and now he's, oh, we're just hoping he's just kind of doing a Superman thing, coming, flying around, and then come back. But no, they didn't know Superman, sorry. But they, they, were, they didn't know how long he was going to be gone. And so here's the hope that these angels give the disciples right now. These, now they're apostles, by the way. He says, This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go to heaven. This same Jesus, this same Jesus who you have just spent the last three years of your life with, this same Jesus who you saw perform all these miracles, who you saw dead, crucified, and now is alive and with nail holes. You, you know he's alive, and now you saw him leave. And it says in Luke, remember we saw this a couple weeks ago, it says in Luke that they were excited, and they had joy, and they worshipped in the temple. But in Luke, Luke doesn't say that in Luke. He says it just in Acts here that they were told by these angels that Jesus is coming back. And so our third point today is that we have hope of Jesus' return. So Jesus, Jesus commissioned his followers together to, All right, that's enough. To have hope in Jesus' return. To have hope in Jesus' return. Now, when we drop off our one-year-old in nursery, she doesn't know when we're going to come back. And I shouldn't say we, because I don't drop her off. Ellen does. She doesn't know when Mommy's going to come back. But I think she has hope that she will come back sometime sooner than later. Like Not like tomorrow or the next day, but she'll... That mommy's going to come back. In the same way, I know when, our do- when we leave our dog at the house, he has no idea when we're coming back, but he's hopeful that we're coming back soon. And sometimes we forget our keys or we, do- we forget something and we come right back and he's like, yes! They weren't gone long. But these disciples, they didn't know how long Jesus was going to be gone. And they, there's some scholars that believe that that the disciples thought Jesus would be back the next week, the next year, before they die anyways, in their lifetimes. They, they just didn't know if it was like, hey, right, hey, is he coming right back? Or is he, is he coming a little bit later? Or is he coming like next year? Hopefully he comes before I die. At least I'd like to see him before I die. I'd like to see the, the kingdom restored. They didn't know when he was coming. And guess what? We don't either. We don't know. And I, and I wonder that too sometimes. Is he coming today? 
Is he coming tomorrow? Is he coming this year? When I was a kid, I thought, is he going to come before Y2K? I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> it, you know, we don't know. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but that doesn't change our mission and our calling. The disciples' mission and calling was to go tell people about Jesus, proclaim the good news, baptize people, make disciples, show them Jesus. Does it change if it's right now or if it's next year or if it's in a thousand, two thousand more years? No, it's our mission to go and teach people and show people Jesus and his gospel. And I, and I get worried sometimes when I hear people say, oh, well, I, I know we're in the end times right now. And I'm sorry if that's you. But I, I know we're in the end times right now. We have to be because this and this and this and read Revelation and this is what's happening and this is what's happening. Jesus doesn't say to go figure out what the Father's will is. He wants us to trust the Father's timing. Now, yeah, we might be in the end times and it could happen today. But there was people that said it was going to happen for sure in 1984. And other people said, it, Y2K, it was going to happen for sure. And then the Mayan calendar, when people figured that out in 2011 or 12, they're like, hey, Jesus is going to come back. The end of the time, like, they, they missed up on the, the years and now it's 2012. It's going to happen. Anyone that says it's going to happen in a certain time doesn't know the Father's will. And so I think, and I'm sorry if this is some of, some of us, but I think we need to be all about Jesus' mission, more about the timing of when these things are going to happen. Because Jesus doesn't tell us the time. Even when his buddies, the disciples, wanted to know, he said, it's not for you to know. I think that applies to us too. It's not for us to know. So instead of pouring our energy into figuring out when, let's pour our energy into figuring out how to reach people by, by the empowered Holy Spirit giving us wisdom as we lead and trusting His timing and having hope in Jesus' return. And that's what we can have hope in. That Jesus will come back. It's not, if it's, is it today or tomorrow or next week or... It's he is going to come back, so let's live like he's going to come back. Let's be all about the mission of Jesus. And last week I read a quote from the, the book called A Light to the Nations. And I wanted to read, read another quote from that book today. Because mission, he said, last week I read the part about mission is about being. It's about being a distinctive people. And, and not about going and going and going. And today we see like, well, isn't it about going? Well, it's, a, it's being a set-apart people. It's being people that are, are so intentional on, on Jesus that people are like, whoa, I want to know what you guys know. I want to have the hope that you guys have. And he says in this book, In Light to the Nations, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Because worship is the fuel and the goal of missions. It's the goal of, in missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into what he says, a white, hot enjoyment of God's glory. So that's our aim, to bring people into this 
Shinina glory, this white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. But worship is also the fuel of missions. And you can't commend what you don't cherish. We have to cherish. If we are cherishing God and worshiping Him, then we're going to let people know about Him. Missions begins and ends in worship. And the people of God celebrate God's presence among them as a worshiping community. So together... We can be a worshiping community, worshiping Jesus. And from our worship, people are drawn to Christ. So every time you look at maps and like, go here, go there, go there, you don't have to feel convicted. Why am I not going? Well, I mean, you can be a part of, of being witnesses to the ends of the earth, but it's about the way we be. It's the way, the way we live. And so what we are it's not all about doing, it's about how we live and worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And our main idea today is together, our, our witness is exponentially greater than on our own. On our own, we, we're not called to be Lone Ranger Christians. We're called to be a community of believers that trust God's will, that are empowered by His Spirit, and that we have hope in the return of Jesus. Did you catch that all three parts of the Trinity are in there? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit working together? Good job. Jaden's on it. Okay, not, okay. <laughs> Remember the risk? <laughs> That's the risk. All right, um, I wanted to, to leave you with this illustration. This illustration is how each of these Father, Son, and Spirit are in this unity to get, <coughs> together. <laughs> Try not to say it. <laughs> And we are invited into that unity, okay? And with Him, we can be teaching people and showing people and letting people into the life that we live for Jesus. And I didn't say it. And it's kind of like, and I saw this illustration at the, at the Flourishing Conference a year ago, but it's kind of like trying to explain Beethoven's Fifth Symphony to someone that's never heard of it. Has, has everybody heard Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Dun 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 dun. Like, you know, that one? I didn't really know. Okay. I mean, it was incredible because Beethoven, he was going deaf as he wrote this. And, and this is a masterpiece, and it's amazing. Do you want to, it's like telling somebody that's never heard it, you want to know about it? And they're like, all right, I guess, all right. And so you, you get out your horn and you say, I can go on. It's like seven minutes long. But they're like, oh, no, 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 uh, I'm okay, I'm okay, right? Yeah, it sounds, that's fine, but it's, I don't know. It, it's kind of like telling people about Jesus. And you're like, Jesus is awesome, he's amazing. You want to hear what he, you want to know him? And like, sure, what's he about? 
Uh, well, I, I don't, yeah, it sounds good for you. I don't, I don't know about me. Uh, you know, and, and that, maybe that's kind of how we, we operate. We, we try to, individually, we, we try to come to and let people know about Jesus and, and kind of toot a horn that doesn't sound very good. Jaden's ready. <laughs> but what's it like? It's so much, it's, it's beautiful. It's so amazing. But it's because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are working together. together. And they're, they're having us join in this triune God. And, and, and it's not this sound... I mean, that, that's, that's like annoying. But that's sometimes what we present to people. Jesus is so great. And that's, that's commendable. But in ministry and in life, let's work together and think about jesus as the conductor and the conductor giving parts and and beautiful ways lots of things are happening at the same time and he's letting people know what what to play and how to play beautifully and the spirit is empowering each person to play beautifully, not just like this. And the Father, according to the Father's will. And so it's this beautiful masterpiece that is a picture of what I would love to see Christians do together. So let's listen.
So I hope that I hope that was a good illustration so you can see the beauty of how we as believers in Jesus can work together according okay according according to the way that the Holy Spirit is empowering and the and Jesus is leading and guiding us according to the Father's will, and that we have hope in Him alone. So I know we're running over time. Sorry. The, we have some survey questions that I would like you to look at. This is our last survey today, and, and since we ran over time, if you could just try to work on them this week and bring them back. Um, but it's really the questions of, of what are the needs that you see in our community? in our congregation. What are the needs? And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's really obvious and you can just fill it out really quick and turn it in. Or maybe that's something you have to pray about and, and really look in our communities in Gibson City and Muhammad and Paxson and Fisher. What are, these, what are some needs that, are, that we could be meeting? Or what are some needs that, that, are, that are not being met? And then how can East Bend be a witness for Jesus to the ends of the earth? And so I want to encourage you to fill those out and bring them back next week or the week after, but just bring them back soon. Um, if you're watching online, uh, you, can, you can send me an email or send somebody at the church a message about, about this. And then I also just want to encourage you to think about the question today, what's holding you back from partnering with others in God's mission? What is, what is holding you back in that way? So let me close in prayer. Jesus, I pray that we would be a people that trust you, trust your timing of the Father, that we'd be people that obey you with all our heart and show people your love and your hope. And God, I just pray that East Bend would be a a church that reaches the nations. And that by the way that we live and by the way that we pray and the way, by the way that we seek you with all our heart. So I pray that we would be a blessing and we would trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.